You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 154. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And today we are talking about something that all of us, even me, have to deal with on a regular basis, and that is managing multiple projects. No matter what level you're at in your organization, even senior leaders are expected to manage multiple projects. So if you are building a PMO, running a PMO, or even trying to rescue a PMO, you're probably managing projects. If you're not managing projects for your services that you're providing as a part of working in your PMO, you're managing the projects to build your PMO. And I can tell you right now that I've spent a lot of time today looking at the Gantt chart that sits in my head and trying to figure out how I'm going to manage all the projects I need to manage to bring more value to all of you. So this is something we are all dealing with all the time. And If that's the case, is there a better way to look at that portfolio management perspective and look at the projects that we're managing and do it more efficiently so that we can achieve the high impact outcomes we're looking for? That's what we're diving into here today. So before we do, this episode is sponsored by the Impact Engine PMO Implementation Program. In today's results-driven world, it's not enough to be good at your job. You need to be great at making an impact. You must be able to drive measurable value to the business through the high impact outcomes you're creating with your PMO. So there's no denying the clear cut advantage you bring to the team, the leadership team that is. The Impact Engine PMO Implementation Program is specifically designed for the PMO leader that needs the step-by-step process, the right resources, guidance, and support to build, elevate, or even rescue a PMO fast, all while doing exactly what needs to be done from a leadership perspective to get and keep that seat at the table. Using my step-by-step process training, templates, and tools, you'll know exactly what you need to do, in what order, why that matters, and how to shortcut some of the pain, frustration, headaches, and mistakes that plague so many PMOs. Your fast track to the results your business leaders are begging you for is inside this program. Our Impact Engine PMO students come from all different kinds of organizations, large and small, across industries around the world, and they will tell you that this program has made all the difference in their success. So whether this is your first PMO or fifth PMO, you're trying to get your PMO started or get things back on track, we've got everything you need to be successful in this program. So come check it out at IE pmo.com. That's I-E-P-M-O.com. Or just visit us on the PMO Strategies website and we'll guide you the rest of the way. I can't wait to welcome you into your future high impact PMO today. Okay, let's dive in. So with me today is Elizabeth Heron. Elizabeth is a project management expert and founder of 
rebelsguidetopm.com. And if you haven't checked that out, definitely do. I'm on her list. I get her messages all the time. And when I heard about her new book, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get you on the podcast quick because this is a challenge every one of my impact drivers is dealing with. Now, Elizabeth is an author of seven, that's right, seven project management books. She's a mentor, an experienced practitioner, and she prides herself on her straight-talking, real-world advice for project managers and all of us PMO leaders as well. And be still my beating heart. I am all about getting right to it, getting to the point. It's got to be practical. It's got to be actionable. And that's why I just had to have her on this podcast. Now, she uses her 20 years experience doing the job to help people deliver better quality results while ditching the burnout. And amen to that. Another thing that all of us impact drivers struggle with quite a bit. So with that said, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, now, like I said, I saw your book that you were launching, the latest one. I said, oh my gosh, Elizabeth, we've got to get you in front of these PMO leaders that are often found in a situation where they need to do what we call building the plane while flying it. Many of them, whether they're building their first PMO or their 10th PMO, are finding themselves in a position where they have to spend time providing services to the organization while also trying to build the foundation or capabilities of the PMO. So for example, if you have a service where you're supposed to be helping to manage projects, you're doing that while you're also trying to build out better services to make those projects run more effectively, right? So all of that is a lot of projects. And many of our PMO leaders start as a PMO leader of one, right? Somebody hires them, they've got to go fix something related to project management, or at least that's what they think the problem is. And they say, okay, come on, PMO leader, let's go. And by the way, can you manage some projects for me while you're also trying to build out this whole PMO thing? And so many of our listeners right now are nodding their head going, yep, sounds familiar, right? But even if they're not, and they're getting to just focus on building a PMO, that's still quite a few projects. I know our students in the Impact Engine PMO program all have this master plan of all the services they want to create. And I'm trying to help them stagger them as best as possible so they can be effective. But demanding business leaders, a desire to make change happen quickly, there's a lot going on there, which means our audience needs help with figuring out how to do it all. So I'd love to start with just getting your perspective, Elizabeth, on what do you see happening in the industry with project managers and PMO leaders needing to manage multiple projects? Where do you think the challenges are and maybe the opportunities? I think that your listeners and your students are definitely not alone. I mentor yeah. project managers as well, and I I hear this all the time. I think there's been very much a shift in the way that the profession operates, that we've gone from people perhaps having the luxury, if we want to call it that, of being able to dedicate teams and time to things to a much shorter turnaround time for a lot of the projects that we're doing, and a lot more people getting involved in projects and leading projects. Perhaps we're working as PMO leaders with accidental project managers and trying to support them in the organization as well. So there's a lot of demand for projects. There's a lot of expectation on people involved in projects that we can just all get everything done. So there are a lot of challenges. I think it's very common. And one of the reasons I think people end up leaving project management is because of the stress of having to keep all the balls in the air all the time. So anything that we can do to equip people to 
deal with that and get more satisfaction out of the job and make more change, deliver more value to their organizations, then that's all good. Yeah, I agree completely. So why don't we start with the challenges that you just kind of hit the nail on the head, right? People are leaving the industry or they're just, there's burnout. They're trying to do too many things at once, but it seems that we kind of have to, right? We're in an environment now where we have to be able to manage multiple projects. And so do we need a different way to handle it so that it's not sucking us down this rabbit hole all the time? Yes, I think we do. And I started out thinking this, thinking all the things I think about multiple projects and how do we manage them and juggle everything through my own experience, really, because everything I was ever taught as a project manager was very linear. Here is how you manage one project, apply all of these processes and your project will be a success. And we all know that's not true anyway. But if you look at how project management is taught and how we talk about it, we don't talk about how do you layer the project management process on top of each other when you're trying to juggle work, because If you're managing one project and it takes you 10 hours a week, managing two projects shouldn't necessarily take you 20 hours a week. You should Mm. be able to look for, and I'm going to use a word I really hate, so you might want to edit out synergies, but but there should be Sometimes it applies. Sometimes it applies like now. And there must be some kind of overlap or streamlining or synergies that we can get from the way that we work if we work smarter. So you might not save hours and hours, but you can certainly feel lighter and have less stress because things Mm. are under control so I suppose my big takeaway from my own experience is that laying the same project management approach and it could be waterfall it could be agile it could be your hybrid approach but just repeating the same steps from the textbook over and over again for each new project is not an efficient way to use your time yeah all right well I'm definitely gonna I want to put a pin in that for a second because I want to come back to that a little bit more and hear about those techniques and the ways that we can do that but you had a word that you said that really triggered me, and that is stress. I want to talk a little bit about why you think people are really struggling to manage multiple projects. Can you, can we dive into that for a minute? Sure. I think, well, I can talk from my own experience, but also from the people that I work with and the students that I have, it's a case of feeling not in control of your environment because Mm -hmm. we have multiple stakeholders, unrelated stakeholders. We have to engage them sometimes in isolated activities. So Sometimes it's connected and they have multiple reasons to interact and engage with our work. And sometimes they're only involved in one of our projects. But that means more sponsors to please, more people who are asking things of you every day. And also, I think the resource profile of projects is often very part time. So Mm. unless you're in a dedicated scrum team, for example, or you've got a line management responsibility for a group of people who are working on your project, chances are the people that you work with are all part time resources allocated to your projects who have day jobs as well. And that's stressful, trying to find time in their day for them to do their work. And that means resource conflicts, subject matter experts being booked onto multiple projects, and then they Mm -hmm. can't see their whole work commitment. So they say they can do something for you, and then they forget they're working on a critical project for one of your colleagues, and then they're doing that instead, and your project gets late. And it's just this constant pressure of the deadlines, the ebb and flow of being busy and being not busy, and then struggling to just try and keep on top of a never-ending to-do list. I don't know. Does that feel, does that resonate? It's causing me a little anxiety right now. (laughs) Oh, I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) Well, I'm just feeling the anxiety that many of the people in our audience are going, oh my gosh, that's literally what I'm experiencing right this very minute. It is very real and it affects all of us. I mean, frankly, I struggle with this all the time, all the time, because I want to do so many things, right? And I want to, and a lot of it, 
I am my own worst enemy, right? Like I always have this full plate of projects we're doing to work on building our business and work on making our business more effective, reaching all the PMO leaders that need the things that we do, improving the programs that we have, and also serving our clients. So we've got a lot going on ourselves all the time. And in my situation, a lot of the pressure is self-imposed, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still just as real. It's still, but yes, I really want to do that, right? So even regardless of where that pressure comes from, I feel that sense of urgency and frustration when things aren't moving the way that they need to. And oh my gosh, the whole thing with resources being pulled onto too many projects. This is something that I experience, right? Like I just had this whole website that we website project we were redoing. And listen, this is a project manager's worst nightmare. It's my own website that I'm having redone. And it was supposed to be three months and it turned into a six month nightmare. And oh the reason is because of that resource management problem, right? The, the problem of the, I couldn't, I had no control over the developers that were doing the work that the work was outsourced to. And then they had all these conflicting priorities. And finally, after things are taking too long, I'm like, you know, they'd be a lot more effective if they just would finish all the work on this project, then move to the next one. I found myself yes. trying to tell them how to stagger their workload and be more efficient with single task focus. And thinking, I'm like, this is why it's taking so long, people. And, it, and it's painful, even when it's your own projects for my business. And I still can't solve some of those challenges. So imagine being the PMO leaders and the project managers that have no control all over all those people all the time in these wonderful matrixed environments and they still can't get it done. So I feel that stress from sometimes from our students. I feel it myself sometimes. And what's interesting with our students is that a lot of the challenge that they're experiencing is because of the things we're talking about here. They're trying to deal with like our PMO students, they're building the PMO, but they're also trying to, they're getting pulled into, can you just, yes, can you just exactly. quote unquote, add this other project, this other service, move things around, add the other, add the 10th number one priority to your list. Right. Yeah. And um, they want to do a good job, I expect, because you were talking about the stress coming internally. Yeah. You, you put pressure on yourself, perhaps unintentionally, because you want to do a good job. And I'm sure everybody I speak to, all the project managers I work with, I'm sure all your students want to do yeah. the best possible job we can do. And yeah. if we have that high standard set for ourselves, that layers on an extra level of stress, because not only are we working in an uncertain environment where everything changes every day and you write a plan and then it's rubbish the next day. Right. We are beating ourselves up about it because we can't control it and we feel guilty that we're not as good as we want to be and we're not doing the job to the level of professionalism that we want to be. And th that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother oh conversation about letting get, letting go of the guilt. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we'll have to discuss that one more. <laughs> yes, for sure. Come back for the letting go of the guilt that all of us carry. But that's kind of, it's the nature of the beast when it you're is. an impact driver, right? When you're a hard working, driven, many type A personality that you're just, you really want to deliver quality work. And you, in many cases, a little bit too much, our PMO leaders and project managers tie their self-worth and their value to the results they're helping the organization achieve. Yeah. And, and things that are outside of their control end up making them feel like creating a lot of the stress you're talking about because they feel like they failed, even if it was something that they were being set up for failure right from the start. Right? Yes. And it's sad that people feel like that, but I've, I've been on that side of the coin as well. So I, yeah. I know exactly where everyone's coming from. It's a difficult job. We're expected yeah. to deliver a lot. We want to deliver a lot. And yet the environments that we work in are often not set up for success, like you say, because 
resource management being a top topic comes up all the time in conversations that I have it's hard and everyone says well what tool can I use for that you think well if the culture isn't there to be able to track time manage resource people Mm -hmm. having that visibility across multiple projects then you can have any tool you want but it's not going to (laughs) help it's a whole different culture change of way of working and for a PMO to get the handle on that would be a massive massive help for many people I'm sure Oh, so true. So let's talk about that. There's kind of two angles that we may want to cover here. One is as a PMO leader, when you are in that position where you're trying to manage multiple projects yourself, but then, or help your organization manage lots of projects at once. And also, are there specific things that as a PMO leader, you could do to guide coach support project managers when they're in that position of having to manage multiple projects? So there's kind of two angles. So feel free to weave it in however you'd like, but I think there's kind of two challenges that PMO leaders need to deal with uniquely, which is when I'm in the role of having to manage the multiple projects, or when I'm trying to help create a supportive environment for all those project managers that are also having to manage multiple projects. So I might toy with a little both of those if you don't mind. Yeah. No, that's fine. Let's take the how do I as a PMO leader help yeah. help everybody else? Because I think some of those things will help them too. Because Perfect. then it's it's similar strategies. So one of the things that I think PMO leaders could do would be to encourage project managers to look across their projects. So by that, I mean mm-hmm. things like risk management, for example. If mm-hmm. you are doing risk management on one project, you might identify that a resource is not available during the summer holidays, for example, and you think, oh, that's a small risk. It's easily managed. I can shift the work around. And then that person who's off can catch up when they get back. But if that person is supporting five different projects and then they're suddenly off for a week and you expect them to catch up within three or four days, they've got five projects to catch up on. And so then maybe the conversation is different and the conversation might be around how do we upskill somebody else so that yeah. we don't have any delay because then we've got someone who can cover well this key resource is off. So if you're a PMO person and you can be having those conversations with your project managers around what does the risk look like aggregated across all of your projects? What does your schedule look like if you aggregate across all of your projects? So let's look at, let's say you're managing five different things and they all go live within a month of each other, you are going to be exhausted. Let's not have that. Let's have, let's try and stagger those go lives or let's try and stagger the change management effort involved so that you're able to cope with it better as an individual. And we can provide you with some tools. We can coach you through that experience because we're we're suggesting that you look more holistically across your workload because that's exactly what the PMO will be doing across the whole portfolio. Exactly. But can they cut out the information that's only relevant to one project manager and have the same portfolio style conversations, but just about one person's workload. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I can imagine that playing out really well in like a PMO team meeting. And even if the project managers don't report to you, it doesn't matter. They're still part of this PMO function, right? Mm -hmm. And so the focus of those conversations can be, let's all look across the whole portfolio and see what we're seeing. Because sometimes one project manager, let's say they have five or 10 projects, and which is the real world, unfortunately. And then you've got another project manager that might look at those and say, hey, I see something you might have missed. So I can see all kinds of synergies from having the project managers look beyond 
their one project to all of them, but then all of those project managers, again, looking across all of those projects, you could see a lot of real opportunities, Some find some things that like, let's say your perfect example, let's say you're a project manager on five projects and you have one small resource challenge. And then on your five, it's not a problem, but it is a problem because four other project managers are using that same resource about the same time. You could be so proactive in preventing the nightmares that could happen later down the road by following this approach. I love that. Absolutely. I did some research for the book. I asked I asked lots of people and came up with some interesting figures. And you saying that just reminded me about one of them. And 70% of the people who did the survey said their projects have dependencies on other people's projects. And that's complicated mm-hmm. to manage, but the PMO is in a perfect place to help manage those into project manager dependencies. Right. Because it's more communication, it's more negotiation, it's more juggling, it's just visibility. If the PMO can identify those or at least help the project managers connect and create mm-hmm. space for those project managers to talk to each other, then both your project and the other person's project have much more chance of success. And then you're not fighting for those resources or begging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can try and plan for it and head off. And it might not be a resource. It might be a deliverable. It might be yeah. some other kind of issue or thing that's being created as part of someone else's project. Right. But if you know about it, you can manage to it. And I think often project managers can be quite isolated in the work that they do because mm-hmm. we lead a team, we go off and we do our stuff and connecting them back to the project management community and the, the world of the PMO is really important because it oh, helps yeah. things like that. Absolutely. We talk about that a lot in my PMO program. So my students are seeing that a lot and we're actually making updates to that program right now to emphasize some of these types of things more. Here are specific things you can do to support building that project management culture and building that project management team, no matter where they sit in the organization. Our clients are finding that this is super beneficial because they're having, I just did this with one of the participating in one of these meetings with one of our clients a week ago and it was so cool to watch. I was like, I was teary-eyed. I get a little teary-eyed when I get so proud of my students and like <laughs> my clients, like making, having a really big win. But what some really cool thing that happened was you had this whole team of people that a year ago didn't even know how to do project management, right? And we came in, we helped this PMO leader that had never done PMOs before. And we set him in a position to create this PMO. And you know, my team's kind of supporting him doing that, right? And then we had all these project managers that had never really done formal project management before. We trained them how to be project managers. And we started saying, okay, we're going to do this so that you can experience this. We're going to do this so you can experience this. And one of them was creating these, what they call project management cohort meetings once a month where they're getting together and they're having really good conversations, not just about the projects, but we're really focusing them on, of course, you talk about all the project things and the dependencies and all that, but we're having them have more business focused conversations as Mm -hmm. well. So they're talking about the whys for their projects. And we actually have the project managers present to the board, like, this is the initiative, this is what we're doing, why we're doing it, here's where we are in this, here's the outcomes we're helping you achieve. And so it was so cool in this meeting last week, Elizabeth, to watch them have, like, they were all becoming business leaders right before my eyes, right? And and it was just so giddy. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I was like, you guys don't realize how big of a deal this is that you were, a year ago, you were all independently off doing your own things in very different ways with no collaboration, running programs and projects, 
ish, right? And here we kind of formalized all that, connected them all together. And now they created this like community, this identity of self that was all together and supporting each other. And it's like, I was like, you all just got so much smarter in the last hour being in this conversation. And they're like, we did. It was so great because they're learning about each other's stuff. Mm -hmm. They're pointing out risks for each other. They're looking at ways that their programs are connected and the business impact of some of those things. And so it's exactly what you're talking about here, Elizabeth. It's so it's and it's a unique thing that they wouldn't have done on their own. So I think you're bringing up a super important point, which is that the PMO is in a unique position to facilitate and cultivate this kind of a culture. So that's really super important. And it goes beyond just having conversations. It goes into the fabric of how the PMO expects people to work. So one of the things that we've tried to implement, for example, is multi-project reporting, where we've got projects that are for one particular stakeholder. So let's say there's one project sponsor or one department, and we've got three or four projects that one person is managing on behalf of that department, instead of turning in three or four different project reports, we do one project report that covers the things that they are doing for that customer, the internal customer of the PMO process. And that saves time. It's easier Mm -hmm. for the stakeholder to read because they're not looking at three different documents. And also often when you've got projects that fit together like that in an ecosystem, they overlap. So there's often resources that are the same because you're using the same subject matter experts or Um, timelines that are the same because perhaps something then leads on to another project which might be phase two and so presenting it back as a cohesive this is almost my personal program of work this is my personal portfolio of things I'm delivering for you stakeholder a right makes it easier for this it just it's a communication tool but it also means that as a project manager I have to do less reporting so I'm down with that (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. No, that's great. And it's, again, this is something that the PMO can facilitate. That's Mm -hmm. a lot easier to do as the center of kind of this center of excellence, right? It's the one it's helping to kind of elevate everybody and make things easier for the project managers, but also the stakeholders. I love that. So we kind of started talking about portfolio management and I'd like to dive in there a little bit because you have a framework in your book, this five-step framework that you, I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how, where and how you get started, if you don't have portfolio management in place right now, um, how can you get started using this framework that you have? Okay. Well, like you say, there's a, in the book outlines five steps. And the first one is portfolio. And it's written from the perspective of an individual person trying to work out where all their work is. And right. so my suggestion would be, and I suppose this would work for PMOs as a whole, if you don't have a portfolio, is you need a list. You need a complete view of what is happening. And when I work with people and we try and do this, the thing that gets missed the most is not the top three projects that they work on all day, every day, but all the other things that fit around that, like coaching staff or writing processes or organizing the team Christmas lunch, all those things that don't happen unless somebody does them, but still take up time in the day. So What I would suggest is that you do a massive, great big brain dump of all the things that you work on, all the things that you've forgotten that you might be working on, all the sticky notes that not every task, but buckets of tasks to give yourself a view of what your personal portfolio really looks like. And then you can start to put capacity against that. When am I supposed to be doing these things? How many hours is it taking me per week? Mm -hmm. And that overview can be really great to have a conversation about workload and priority, because then you can have conversations with your manager or with your stakeholders around, I can't do all of this. So which projects take priority? What am I working on first? And you mentioned single task focused. Maybe I work on one thing first and everything else waits six weeks. How do I then 
deliver all the things on my to-do list and, and have a good life <laughs> while yeah. I'm doing it. <laughs> exactly. And I honestly think, I mean, I, I use a list because I'm a list person, but if you uh, mind map it, if you sticky notes on the wall, I don't care. But right. the, the goal is just give yourself visibility of what you're expected to do as part of your role. Or if mm-hmm. you're a PMO, what mm-hmm. is your PMO expected to deliver? Mm-hmm. And then that's just a burden. It feels like a burden's lifted when you can see it all. It might still be stressful because you might have 20 more things on there that you thought you did. Mm-hmm. But at least then you've got the data. And with that data, you can start to break that down into whose help do I need for this one? Is this really important? Is this one more important than this one? And then you can put some plans around that and some you've got an action plan to go from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because we're doing this in our business too. So this is not like just something that works for folks that are inside organizations working for someone else. So all of our PMO and project management consultants listening to this you need to do this too, right? Because I'm sitting here listening to you talk about building out the list and prioritizing and all the things and how we're going to get the work done and what do you need for it? And we do this for our business too, because I was sick of having the Gantt chart that was running in my head all the time anyway, right? So <laughs> I got it on pay- well, and virtual paper. We've got it on Google Sheets because I share this with my coach. I think all coaches should have a coach, right? And I'm constantly working on continuing to evolve my own capabilities and how I serve in the business and what the business does. And then we, of course, have all our client work and projects and things. So we have all of that on a portfolio list as well. And I am the worst. And that's why I know how to help other people that are dealing with this as well. I want everything to be number one priority. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we say it like that, it doesn't sound revolutionary, does it? It's just like make a list of what you're supposed to do and then work out how you're going to do it. But actually, I think that there's a great relief that comes with having that visibility and it is only the first step because then like you say it's then how am I actually going to make this real Mm -hmm. how do I have those difficult conversations with my boss about my workload how do I work out how this project overlaps with that person's project is actually going to get done in time so it's the stepping stone to being able to go on and do bigger and better things but the thing I like about it is I often find that I can see connections between the work that I didn't know were there and instead of firefighting every day and just working on what's at the top of my to-do list or who sent me an email Mm -hmm. I can look for the buckets and then I can say well all of these things are kind of going all these things are going to be delivered in quarter four so I can push all of those to one side all of these things I'm doing for the marketing department so maybe I'll look at how can I group those how can I have meetings with marketing that cover three or four of my projects all of these projects for a certain external client or they're all of these ones use Trello. Then yeah. I'll spend a day doing Trello stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't use Trello. That's just an example, but you can look for where are the different connections? What are the types of connections in terms of process or approach or, or delivery dates or customer? And then that can also help alleviate some of the burden because you can group things and then you can tackle them in different ways. Does that make sense? Oh, I love it. Yes, absolutely. That is something that I wasn't really focusing on, but something that I find that I do a lot is trying to figure out the most efficient path to getting the biggest results, right? Mm. And it's so, I mean- a lot of us, and I'm talking to all of you impact drivers that plan your route when you have to run errands because you're doing the same thing. Oh, well, if I have to pick up the groceries and drop off the dry cleaning, I'm going to do those things together instead of routing myself another way. So this is real. Like this is how we operate to become most efficient, but you came up with a lot of really important examples of ways that you can group work together. I don't want to let that get lost with anyone because that's one we should really be looking at. How do we maximize every meeting, every conversation? 
conversation, every bit of time we're spending, like when you're talking about how can we do, how can we make risk management more efficient? It shouldn't be a one-time conversation needs to be ongoing on top of mind all the time. Right. So how do I make it? So that doesn't absorb all of my thinking time, but that I'm still looking at these risks. Or when you're looking at risk for one project, asking the questions, is there another risk on another project that is the same because of a resource or whatever, or could be the same kind of a problem that could come up and how would we manage it? You've got so many great examples and ideas of ways that we can make the process of managing more projects not feel like the overwhelming burden that it often does. Well, this is my lived experience because I was in a situation with one stakeholder, one project sponsor, and I was doing two things for him. We had a meeting in the diary for one of my projects. So I turned up ready to talk about that, all my notes prepared. And he asked me about the other project. And I was like, (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) I haven't looked at that for a week. I didn't come prepared to talk about that. But he's doing this already. Our stakeholders are already grouping things in their heads. We are their project manager we are their PMO we, we are yeah. doing their projects they know all the things that they are doing and I felt I should have realized that I and mean, I couldn't turn around to him and say oh I can't talk about that till our booked hour on Friday you right. do, I just had to blag my way through the meeting and say what what I could remember and we, we got through it but it, it made me realize in his head it is joined up why is right. it not joined up in my head why wasn't I ready to talk about his work in that meeting and I should have been and it would have been easier for me because then I could have cancelled the other meeting yeah (laughs) saving yourself time the way that we take the approach of we have one steering group for per project what's the point of that when you've got one sponsor it's so difficult to get time in that that person's diary Mm -hmm. use the time that you can get and talk about three projects Mm -hmm. so it is just like I say it's just smarter ways of doing things where you have to perhaps think about things it's not a radically different way of working I mean the basic project management principles are are still there it's not new to anybody but it's just uh, trying to think through how could I be more efficient how could I streamline this and it's not about being more efficient because we're putting everything into a tool or being more efficient because I'm changing all my meetings from 60 minutes to 45 minutes although I would recommend that you do that too it's looking at those kind of conversations that make our lives easier in the future because we are spotting things spotting the links between projects working in a different way with stakeholders that should make us easier to work with as well right oh yeah for sure now you're talking a lot about stakeholders and this is a big one for uh, my students. They spend so much time hearing me say (laughs) stakeholder engagement, stakeholder engagement, stakeholder engagement, because without the right stakeholder engagement, we are, nothing we do is going to be as effective as it needs to be. Whether you're running a PMO or running projects, if you don't get to know your stakeholders, build those relationships, manage the communication effectively, and do like you're saying, this great example of like, cutting down the meetings, because you can talk about two things at one time, then you aren't going to be as effective as you need to be. Stakeholders and the culture that surrounds the way they work will make or break your projects. So is there anything that you have, any other advice you have specifically related to good stakeholder engagement and how that can help when you are trying to manage multiple projects? I would say, look at everything that you're doing for them and try to treat them as an individual rather than a resource on a project. In their world, this goes back to the business drivers and the business acumen that you were talking about earlier. What's important for them? What is the PMO delivering for them? It's probably a number of different things. How can we interact with them in a way that makes sense for them? 
So mm-hmm. is that streamlining communication? Is that doing change management that might be applicable to two projects at the same time? Is it streamlining meetings? How do we do reporting so it's not burdensome for them to read mm-hmm. and take action? And looking at also the when change lands in their area. So if we're going to, as a PMO, deliver five things for them this year, have we scheduled them all so that they are in at year end and the accountants are going to not have any time to do any of the training we've lined up because we've scheduled it at the wrong time for them? Or are we spreading out based on their availability and we've scheduled the projects to land at different points based on their ability to accept the change, or to be ready for the, for the changes? Right. So it's thinking about how can I make their life easier? Because if you make their life easier, honestly, it truly will make your life easier too. Even though it feels like more work up front, I was talking to somebody just the other day about this and trying to explain why if she put together a targeted to-do list for one of her stakeholders, it would actually make her life easier, even though it meant she had to do a basically a separate project plan just for this one particular person. Right. Because she was spending so much time chasing and trying to stay on top of the other person's workload because they were not doing what they needed to do, actually, we can cut out all of that time if we can provide the clear direction. So, I mean, that was a whole long conversation perhaps that hasn't come across particularly well but what I mean is if you can think about your stakeholders and invest a little bit of time up front in working out how best to work with them that pays off later because you're building great working relationships and they see you as somebody who's efficient which we want right oh yeah no that's a really important point because it's an investment in the return for that investment you're going to be able to create later by having the stronger relationship. So it is absolutely worth investing that time up front and building those relationships. And I know you've said a few times, oh, this is just a little thing and it's not that big of a deal. These are all a really big deal because (laughs) it's about putting common sense into common practice. And we need these reminders, right? Like every client I work with, we start their portfolio management exercise by making a list. Like that's where you have to start. I can just visualize times that, you know, back in the day when I used to be in person with them all the time and you get the whiteboard marker and the whiteboard, you go up to the whiteboard and you're like, okay, give it to me, give me the list. Right. And we just write it all down on the whiteboard. And then we start saying, okay, where are these now? And who do we need for them? And what's the priority and all those things, but it's got to start at square one with the list. So I think it's important. Absolutely. And I think a lot of portfolio management is how do we take portfolio management practice and change that scale it down so it's just me and my workload because portfolio management tools and techniques are brilliant for helping people understand the prioritization of different activities and Mm -hmm. how do we juggle everything what does our big picture look like right and if you can do that as an individual for your workload you can have a lot more visibility and therefore a lot more control and then you can have conversations about these things with if you're a PMO and you've got your portfolio schedule for the year you'd know when all the different projects were going live because you've got that rolled up version of your plan and you can see where all the different initiatives are, are finishing right and if you can do that as an individual then you can start to think oh goodness in this month I've got this project kicking off this project is going through user testing and I'll need right. to be there every day for whatever right. reason. And there's something else that I'm going to have to do because some colleague is on holiday. And you can think, well, what do I need to do to put in place a framework so that I am good for that month? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to delay that project. Maybe I'm going to do some pre-work so that I can be on top of it. Maybe I'm going to get meal deliveries every week. I'm going to organize right. different things for my childcare or my elder care. How can you set yourself up for success? And if you just give yourself more visibility, if you look at your own work as if you were a portfolio manager of your to-do list, then you give yourself more options, I think. 
Oh, yes. Oh, this is so good. So good. So good. (laughs) So I feel like we could keep going forever, but I want people to know how they can learn more about all of this stuff that you're covering in your book. So how do they find the book? How do they learn more about you? Because I think that all of you listening could really benefit from Elizabeth's book called Managing Multiple Projects. So tell them how they can find more, Elizabeth. Well, you just said it. You can buy Managing Multiple Projects on Amazon or wherever you get your books from. You can find out more about me at elizabeth-harin.com. And I think, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, my blog is rebelsguidetopm.com. So there's lots of project management things there. And if you search for Managing Multiple Projects on that page, there's lots of articles with book extracts and tips and tricks about how you can put this into practice in your own work. Oh, so fun. Thank you, Elizabeth, so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all these great practical, real world experience, real world applicability kind of approaches to solving the challenge of managing multiple projects, both when you have to manage them yourself and as you're coaching and guiding project managers on this journey as a PMO leader. So thank you for being here today, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. It's been great to chat. Absolutely. All right, Impact Driver, that's it for this session. Don't forget that this episode is sponsored by the Impact Engine PMO program. This is an all-in-one step-by-step training and implementation program designed to help you build, up-level, or even rescue a PMO, no matter if this is your first time or your fifth time building a PMO. You will be amazed at the things you hadn't considered that are the shortcuts to high impact PMO success. So don't waste any more time trying to Google your way to a PMO. Join us in the Impact Engine PMO program today and just watch how your world changes almost overnight. And you don't need to take my word for it. You can hear success story after success story right on our Impact Engine PMO program page and hear how others that are just like you are getting such big results following our step-by-step program. I can't wait to see you there. Just go to iepmo.com and reach out if you've got any questions. I got you every step of the way. Okay there, that's it for this session. And if you love what you are hearing, please leave us a rating and review so that others can find all of this great content to help them along their high impact journey. Bye-bye for now. 